Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Cara. Well, hello, Vanessa. This episode has an opportunity to maybe be one of the biggest chances for TMI we might ever record in a puberty podcast episode. Well, I'm going to keep this very third person. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're planning for this episode. So those of you who don't don't know this, Cara and I have an ongoing debate in our writing, which, as you know, happens a lot because we have a weekly newsletter and we wrote a hundred thousand word book coming out in the fall. Because we're brief. Because <laughs> we can't help ourselves. And probably every day or every other day, the question becomes, is it we or is it they in our writing? Or sometimes is it you? In this episode, I think it's one one may experience. You know what yeah. the title of this episode is, people? It is Wait, yeast, drum roll. Yeast and it. <laughs> so I feel like <laughs> we is really not the right well, lead in here. And Cara. you feels a little accusatory. <laughs> so let's just say one might have itchiness down there, down in the in vulva, the nether regions. In the Netherlands. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about it in the third person. Yes. Cara's <laughs> trying desperately to urge me away from telling all my yeast infection stories. Here's what we do on the Puberty <laughs> yes, Podcast. We normalize things that people often don't talk about. And I will say, I'm not going to give yeah. away too much information because I have four children who, if they ever heard this, would be mortified. But No one ever talked to me about yeast infections. And I did not know for many years that what I was experiencing was a yeast infection. So you know what we're going to do today, Vanessa? We're going to talk to you about (laughs) yeast infections. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about myself. Just kidding. I'm not going to talk about myself. You should see Cara's just gone pale. She's like, oh my God, we're going to have to edit this episode. Such a big fat grin on my face because people... You know, when we set out to do this podcast, it didn't seem like there would be a huge audience for topics like this. And yet I get why people don't mind listening. 
we have so much damn fun when we're talking about it. Yes. Okay. Let's dive in, shall we? Let's start. Oh, Cara, how many puns are you going <laughs> to? That was do? no, no, Vanessa. No, let's dive into this. Let's. We're gonna. We're gonna dive into yeast and itch. And no I. More. I might. I might, if encouraged, share some other special personal nuggets along the way. But I might not. I might exercise some occasional self control and not do that. So, Cara, let's begin with a what causes yeast infections and other sort of variations of yeast and itch that people who don't have vulvas have and why yeast infections in particular actually only begin once the body has started puberty, typically. Okay. So So actually, I'm going to pull the lens even further back for a second and talk about what causes itching down there. And we are going to talk about all genders because people with penises and testicles get itchy down in the groin as well. And we did do an episode very, very early on in the podcast when things were a lot more formal. Um, (laughs) Good word. Good word. We did do an episode all about itch all over the body, right? And why it's important to air it out feet and groin and pits and everything. So if you need some more general context, you can go yeah, back and listen. That. I think it was like episode six or something. One. Like that. I mean, who the hell remembers? <laughs> it was it's our door opener. Okay. So, so let's talk about itchiness in a female groin. And I'm going to give you the medical term, which is vulvovaginitis. And it's a very easy <laughs> term to break down. Vanessa's like got her pencil out. She's taking notes. Okay, Volvo. Vulva. Okay, I vulva. have. By the way, I have three Volvos in my house. Vulva, every, yeah. <laughs> now that you've just ruined my cars for me. Oh my god, we've got the social media image right there. Okay, oh my god. so Volvo is actually V U L V O, which is I a know. reference to the vulva. Okay. I know. Vagina, vagina. Yes. So, and itis. Do you remember yes. what itis means? I think it's like. <laughs> Is it inflammation? Yes. Okay. You've hung around me long enough. It (laughs) is. It's inflammation, which sort of in non-medical language used to be called irritation. But I think people are really well sort of acquainted with the concept of inflammation these days. Yeah, they are. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, COVID. So um, vulvovaginitis is the general catch term in medicine for when you're inflamed in the vulva, which is the external genitalia yes, and slash or the vagina, which is, as we know, the long muscular tube that leads from the external vulva inside to the cervical cap and then the uterus. Okay. So vulvovaginitis. There are lots of things that can cause vulvovaginitis. Okay. Say that three times fast. Exactly. The most famous of them is yeast. And we're going to talk about yeast on this podcast, but it would be remiss if we did not mention some of the other causes. So any other infection down there can cause inflammation. The most common, actually more common than yeast, Mm. is bacterial vaginosis, BV. Do you know about BV? I mean, I know about BV from watching Jen Gunter's account on Instagram, and we will link to Jen Gunter and she will come up frequently. Yeah. But I didn't know about BV until we started doing this podcast and I started following lots of accounts that talk about vaginas. Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot about the microbiome on this podcast and BV is really an imbalanced microbiome down in the vulva and vagina. It's just overgrowth of one type of bacteria, which then means there's undergrowth of another and it causes you guessed it, inflammation and itching. So that is actually more common than yeast as a source of irritation down in the vulva. But there are other infectious organisms that actually cause inflammation as well, not just an imbalance, but things coming in from the outside that don't belong there and the immune system is responding to them. A common one, trichomoniasis. That's an infection that can cause a lot of itching down in the vulva and vagina. Another common source of itching is vaginal atrophy. And this can happen during, drum roll please, menopause. So we're going to talk a little bit about 
who gets vulvovaginitis in the first place, how it breaks down by age. But let's be really clear that there are non-infectious sources of this itching and irritation. And trichomoniasis is an STI, correct? Yes, trichomoniasis. Sorry, trichomoniasis. Otolaryngologist. <laughs> your vaginosis. Your favorite Did subject. I do that? You did very well. I think if it has to do with the vagina, I'm really good at remembering how to say it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just so we have a sense of how darn common it is to have a yeast infection whose formal name is, ready, wait for it, vulvovaginal candidiasis. Oh, yes. Vulvovaginal right. candidiasis. Because... Because... Well, candesiasis, I feel like, was an herbal remedy. What's the herbal remedy that they suggest for yeast infections? Well, I, I'm going to take you off that rabbit yes. hole, out yes. of that rabbit hole, and instead point you in the direction of, do you remember the biological name for fungus or yeast for a specific species? Can, is it candida? Can, candida or candida. Yeah. Okay. Um, the world seems Doctors to call it candida. Say, we say candida. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. So... When you have species of Canada growing in the vulva or vagina, then it's called candidiasis. Can we talk about how that feels like a diagnosis of extreme honesty? Does it? <laughs> Candid. Oh, candidiasis. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I've infected you with my punism. I'm so sorry. I mean, they must have the same root now. No, I know what it's like to be on the other side. <laughs> this is so horrible for our listeners. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. There is one person out there who's laughing at my joke. One. one. Yes. Okay. Okay. So if you have candidiasis, that means that candida is the source of the itching and the irritation. Let's talk about the numbers for a second, yes. just so we can be clear. Up to 55%, all this data comes from my favorite source that you can't get into called Here Up we to go. Date. Oh, to oh, date. oh, no, you can't get it. Okay. You really can't I can't because I'm not a doctor. Yep. Do you guys, do you know that um, production company that Andy Samberg has? It's shh, non-doctor at the end of every episode. Every time you say I'm not a doctor, I think of that. Okay. So yes, doctors are obsessed with our favorite go-to resource, which is called Up to Date. It is really designed for healthcare professionals. The reason why is it's written without a layperson explanation for anything. So it assumes a certain fund of knowledge. So all of the data that I'm going to give you is from Up to Date. There is tons of information floating around the internet, but this is what I consider the most accurate source. Okay, so the up most to 50, up to date of the most, Wait for it, <laughs> up to date. So up to 55% of college students say that they have had a healthcare professional diagnose them with vulvovaginal candidiasis. That is a large number, mm -hmm. 55% of all college students. Okay. It is not an STD. It is not an STI. Okay. It in fact, candida in a vagina that does not have any itching or a vulva that does not have any itching, so asymptomatic, is considered normal, okay, a colonizing organism. That means an organism that just likes to live there given the environment. And anywhere from 10 to 20% of people have it. So this data becomes really confusing because if you just go and take a culture and swab and try to grow this yeast, what you will find is it grows in 20% of all people at baseline, just it's there. So when is it a problem? When does it cause symptoms and when does it not is, is sort of a, a question, okay? Just to think about stage of life for menopausal women. So that 10 to 20% is for women of reproductive age. Mm -hmm. For menopausal women, the percentage of them who have candida just growing is somewhere between six and 7%. And for prepubescent kids, it's only three to 6%. So you asked a really important question at the top that I've taken a really long time to get to, which is- But it's been know, a really fun journey, so don't worry. Uh, right? Oh, you're having a blast. So <laughs> the answer is something happens in puberty that creates a microenvironment that is just more conducive to yeast growing. Before we go down that road, because we're going to spend the episode talking about that, I do want to 
distinguish between a fungus and a yeast because these words are used interchangeably. I even just use them interchangeably. I want to make sure we're clear, okay? Fungus is the bigger category. So within the category of fungus, there's yeast, mold, or some combination of yeast and mold. Is it possible to have a moldy vagina? (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) Thank God. That would get you canceled, Vanessa. And no, but you can have a yeasty vagina. Yes. Yes. Uh, So I just want to make sure we understand when I use those terms interchangeably, it's like referring to, I can't go, like I'm spontaneously going to the food analogy and it's never the right. It's like referring to viruses specifically as flu. Like it's yeah, a I mean, I was going to say it's like saying pasta and then like saying rigatoni. Rigatoni. <laughs> we always go to rigatoni. Why, and we, so, why is it rigatoni? Right? I mean, so, I often go to bucatini. Yeast is both yeah. a rigatoni and a pasta. Is okay. What I'm saying okay, but are you going to talk about the distinction between a fungus and a bacteria? Sure. Okay. They are both organisms, teeny tiny organisms some of which can live symbiotically in or on the human body, and some of which when they're in or on the human body cause symptoms and cause infection. So the microbiome, again, we're going to go back to the microbiome is a great example. If I were to do a swab of your nose, your throat, your intestine, your face, I would find a number of bacteria growing there, okay? That's just the class of organism that are normal and when living in balance, do wonderful things for our body. That is normal and expected. But some bacteria or some bacteria out of balance when there are too many, think about BV, bacterial vaginosis, Mm. those bacteria can cause symptoms or problems. So bacteria and fungi and viruses are three different classifications of organisms that can live within or on our bodies and either cause problems or not. How's that for simple? And fungi and bacteria can generally be treated and viruses can't? The answer is an evolving sort of, because 15, 20 years ago, we had very few antiviral drugs available. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, that would have been totally true. But now there are more and more antiviral drugs available that are helping either manage symptoms or reduce viral load altogether. I think about the herpes drugs like acyclovir and everything that ends with vir, right? I think about HIV drugs. I think about Paxlovid for COVID. These are all antivirals. So I think in another 10 or 20 years, that distinction that we used to make will no longer apply for most And are there any like vaginal viruses? Yes. HPV. Okay. 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 So that would be considered- Right? But are all vaginal viruses STIs? Well, so the definition of an STI is a sexually transmitted infection. So it can be a virus, it can be a bacteria that are passed during a sexual act. I want to make it very clear again that yeast transmission is not considered an STI. It's just the way it's classified. I'm sure one could argue that if one person's genitals or mouth had yeast and another's didn't. And the way the yeast was transmitted was through a sexual act. That's sexual transmission. That's true. Oh, we should talk about oropharyngeal yeast. So we talked about vulvovaginal. How could we forget oropharyngeal yeast? Poor oropharyngeal (laughs) yeast. Okay. So oro is mouth. mouth. Pharynx is the sort of the back, sort of where the food and the air go down is the posterior oropharynx. It's sort of like the beginning of the esophagus and the beginning of the airway and where your uvula hangs down and where your tonsils might reside if you still have them. Oropharyngeal yeast is very common, right? How many people have seen yeast infections in their mouth? But again, different from what we're talking about here. It can be the same yeast organisms actually, but the symptoms look and feel really different. And then the last of my scattershot explanation about yeast infections is for those who are interested in understanding the different species of Canada, there are many species of Canada. The most common to cause vulvovaginal candidiasis is a species called Canada albicans. And it causes between 80 and 92% of all reproductive tract 
infections or colonization. Let's talk for a second about males because I think it's important to recognize that what tees us up to grow extra yeast down in the groin is this perfect storm of increased sweatiness, increased temperature, a shift in the acidity level. All of those things happen during and following puberty. And they happen for a number of reasons. One is that the actual oil content secreted in the sweat in certain parts of the body increases. So in the groin, in the armpits, in the feet, between the toes, you have an increase in sweat and in the scalp and particularly scalp, armpits, groin, you have a lot, a lot, a lot of oil suddenly being secreted into that sweat. We've talked about this on this podcast and it's a complicated mechanism. So go listen to that episode. But it's important to realize that when the oil balance changes, that basically totally changes the environment in which these organisms are living. I mean, it's like saying, you know, I'm going to take a ski trip. I'm going to take a Hawaiian vacation. They're <laughs> totally different. Right. Or swim in a lake versus swim in the ocean. Totally. Exactly. That's a probably a better analogy. So um, (laughs) males too have this shift in oil balance and the shift in oil balance and the shift in sweat composition also leads to a shift in acidity in the local region and the shift, all of these environmental factors shift what grows. So that is why young boys almost never get jock itch, but certainly once boys have gone through into the earliest stages of puberty and through puberty and they're starting to sweat more and they're growing hair, which makes them sweatier because it's hotter and more humid. And if they are gaining weight, which then can mean that the skin folds in on itself a little bit more, or there's less sort of natural aeration down there, all of these things change the environment and they can cause jock itch. What is jock itch? It's caused by tinea curris, okay, which is a type of yeast. So there we go. Did you expect Cara to go there? She took a turn with a new yeast. I did. Very. So why is it that there's one particular kind of yeast on a body with a penis and a different kind of yeast on a body with a vagina? I mean, you can, there are types of yeast that can grow both places, but think about it. You know, when we look at jock itch, for instance, or athlete's foot, okay, the environment inside the vagina is totally different than the environment between the toes or the environment on the skin between your tight underwear and your penis and your testicles. So it's different strokes for different folks and different organisms are going to grow. My family uses the charming term scrot rot. Oh, that's lovely. I've never heard that. Isn't that nice? Does up to date have that? I don't know, but that's what happens when you marry an Englishman is terms (laughs) like that get introduced into your family vernacular. Yeah, so that's our, we don't talk about jock itch, but we do talk about scrot rot, which is lovely. really lovely. That's lovely. Right. Listeners, tell us what your favorite <laughs> jock itch phrase is. Is the yeast in the groin of someone with a penis different than the yeast between the toes of athlete's foot or is it the same? Is that the same? Yeah, it can be, okay. but it's, you know, they're different species. So okay. if I were to take a sterile swab and swab everyone's everything, yeah. um, you know, I would certainly find some degree of crossover from different parts. But you have to imagine that the aeration part yeah. totally changes the landscape for the organisms that are growing. And even though when it, we talk about jock itch, we're talking about an environment that's contained in sweaty tight underwear or pants or workout gear or whatever, there is by definition more aeration there than there is inside the vagina. Inside the vagina is really hard to air it out. So there's that. So a couple questions. One is, do the sex hormones, estrogen and testosterone affect this? Or is it simply the kind of mixture of more hair, more sweat, more oil? And two, how does being sexually active affect this kind of whole situation? Let's start with one first. So 
Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors Ready to Eat Meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor Meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. According to up to date, my favorite resource. And if you still I feel like is- you're lording it over the rest of us who cannot access up to date. Maybe up to date wants to sponsor this podcast. It's like, it's like being like, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I can't hang out with you. I have a birthday party to go to that you're not invited. I feel yeah. like up to date is the birthday party I'm not invited to. I feel like, you know, all those years in medical school and internship, I feel like the 24 hours a day, seven days a week of internship 
you don't get paid much, but you get up to date. I know. You've you earned know? it. You have earned I, it. I do. I feel like yes. it's my, you know, it's I fine. feel like it's like getting courtside seats if you're an entertainment attorney. Yes. These are my courtside seats. Yes. Yeah. And okay. I will take them. I, I'll this give is it like to you. gold to me. I'll give it to you. So what, you know, the, the list confirmed by up to date of things that increase the likelihood of vulvovaginal candidiasis includes increased estrogen levels. Okay. okay. So that includes also pregnancy well, and postmenopausal estrogen therapy. So it's not just about surging estrogen levels in early puberty. Let's yeah. be very clear. I will say, yeah. I mean, this is a moment to overshare. Buckle your seatbelt. I won't overshare as much as I could because there are some details that I'm going to withhold, shockingly enough. <laughs> but in my four pregnancies, half of which occurred through the hot, heavy months of summer, yeast infections were a major challenge. Yeah. Major challenge. Yeah. And yes, so I did experience pregnancy. I have yet to experience post-menopausal life. So Show off. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> so that tuned. was a flex. <laughs> I have up to date. And Vanessa has yet And to I haven't hit menopause. So there you go. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> okay. So pregnancy, postmenopausal, and hormone let me give treatment. you some other things that increase your likelihood. Yeah. Antibiotic use. So everyone knows yes. about this one, right? When people use antibiotics, their chance of thrush, which is what we call yeast in the mouth, yeah. um, and also vulvovaginal candidiasis increases because you're wiping out the normal bacterial microbiome, which throws everything out of kilter. Those healthy, normal bacteria help keep other organisms in check too. So that's why antibiotic use. Immunosuppression, when your immune system doesn't work very well, that makes sense. Then you can't mm -hmm. necessarily clear the yeast very easily. Diabetes. Why does diabetes cause yeast infections? Do you know, Vanessa? The sugar balance in your body? It's a really good question. I'm going to say it's much more likely that the immune systems of people with diabetes don't work the way they're supposed to work. Okay. I'm sure the sugar balance does not help. The reason you mentioned that, and this is an important element here, sugar changes the local environment. And so what does everyone tell you when you get a yeast infection? What should you go drink? Oh, that I don't. Oh, you mean well? I guess some people said cranberry juice, but I was. But what kind of cranberry juice? Oh, non-sweetened. Non-sweetened. It's for UTI and for vulvovaginitis with Canada. So I was told if you're getting yeast infections, cut back on alcohol, mm, which has why? sugar, wine, sugar, sugar, sugar. Yeah. Eat yogurts that have live-active cultures but are unsweetened because the bacteria in the yogurts help repopulate. repopulate. Right. Mm -hmm. And also cut out like that three o'clock visit to those frozen yogurt stores in New York City that have the oh, little bins yeah. of candy. That's how I yeah, used to that get That should be on the up to date day. list. Yeah. <laughs> I, I worked in one of those in uh, college. Yeah. I feel many a yeast infection, I'm sure. I, I mean, part of what I did was cut out a lot of the sugar elements in my diet. And fake sugars, you know, there's not a ton of data here, oh, but fake sugars probably it's it's probably no better, but I don't have any... Up to date does not talk about that. So I will say though, there are some things that people think cause yeast infections that the data is meh. And okay. um, so it's a very unclear connection. Oral contraceptives or hormonal contraceptives. Some people say, I absolutely am more likely to get a yeast infection when I am taking a hormonal contraceptive. But here's the data. 12 studies were reviewed with more than 200 women. Okay, 12 studies with more than 200 women in each study. Each study Not huge, yeah. but seven showed a significant association. Two found a not statistically significant association. Three found no association. So, hmm. or actually you had a lower risk. So that data inconclusive. is right, inconclusive. And then other forms of contraception. There are people who will say condoms cause yeast infections. Some people will say sponges and diaphragms. Some people say IUDs. This data is all over the place. And then you asked about sexual behavior. Yeah. Okay. And because this is not considered a sexually transmitted infection, it's complicated to be able to weigh in here. But what the data does suggest is that the type of sex may need to be considered before we can answer that question. Orogenital, so oral sex, yeah, that has a higher risk 
of transmission. And the lower risk is probably anogenital sex, so anal sex. But again, up to date would say, and based on the studies that they cite, they cite a lot of studies. I would agree. It's very, this whole thing is very inclusive. Now, they also say that the diet data is questionable, which I find interesting. They talk about the yogurt data. They talk about the sugar data. They talk about dairy products in general. Hmm. And they argue that this is actually inconclusive data and that they wouldn't hang their hat on it, which I think is interesting. It is interesting. For those, this is a total aside, but we're talking about sexual activity and vaginas. And what I will say is if you have a person with a vagina in your house who you believe is having sex, make sure that person in your house knows that after they have sexual intercourse, they should pee. And that's not so much for yeast. Do you want to explain no, what that's for? No, that's not for yeast. That's to help prevent UTIs. Okay. And do you want to explain that a little? Or no, do you want I want to you to explain it. Because you're, <laughs> you're, you're like, you're like uh, I that's just all didn't I want to forget to say it because it's really important. Yeah. So the answer, my answer, and my answer may be, I, I don't know if my answer is complete, but I will give you my answer. It's better than my answer would be. So there you go. <laughs> so when two people have penile vaginal intercourse. And at the end of that, two or three things can happen. One is the woman may have been holding her urine because she was sexually aroused and she's like, oh, I don't want to go pee. I want to go have sex, which is totally appropriate. But one risk factor for a urinary tract infection is holding your urine. So just having extra urine sitting in your bladder, think about it. It's like a stagnant pond, grows pond scum. You want to constantly get the urine out of your bladder. And if you're holding on to it for too long, the bacteria that are naturally normally in there can jump in and grow. Then the second is that along with pleasure, there's inflammation that happens in the reproductive tract with sex. I mean, look, a penis is a foreign body, a vibrator is a foreign body. These things are and the immune system can recognize when a condom is being used, some people would argue that's a foreign body. It is in the same way that a penis or a vibrator is a foreign body. Um, some people are sensitive to latex. And when there's latex in a condom, they have a local, not just an inflammatory response, they can even have a little bit of an allergic response. But anything that triggers the immune system and that brings inflammatory cells into the area kind of congests the area a little bit. And then when you're a little backed up because things are a little swollen and I wouldn't recognize you, you wouldn't recognize it's internal, it's in the little urethra. Again, you hold on to more urine and that predisposes you to a urinary tract infection. So it's not, we're not talking about STIs where having the sexual intercourse actually transmits an infection. What we're talking about is the sort of second and third steps where having the sexual intercourse then causes your body to do something that puts you at higher risk for a urinary tract infection. So another tip is just pee regularly during the day as well. Yeah. Just like in general, you don't want to hold on to yeah. pee. So Car, let's talk a little bit about how we can treat yeast infections and how we can prevent them. And I mean, in this case, I am a font of knowledge of lived experience. But can you talk about the over-the-counter medicines that are available, both for the people with vaginas, but also for scrot rot, aka jock itch, and athlete's foot? Yeah. So these are called antifungals. Antifungals are medicines that will treat, you got it, fungal infections. Um, so, and remember that a fungal infection, one type of fungal infection is a yeast infection, just to sort of beat that to death, that comment. So there are generally two ways to treat these infections. And, you know, we didn't say this at the top, but we should say what they look like. Oh, yes, we did. It's kind of important. It's very important. So yeah. it goes back, Cara, to my favorite topic. Yes. Which, which is, is what? Is it cottage cheese? Um, I like cottage cheese, topic? but it's not. It's vaginal discharge, which I am on a one-woman oh, yes, mission to normalize favorite. conversation about vaginal discharge because it is like the holy grail of vaginal 
and all sorts of health signs in a person's body. So vaginal discharge, when a body is feeling good and healthy and there's nothing going on and Cara's probably going to correct this, not this part because I've already been approved for this part, but the description of that it's healthy, but quote unquote, healthy vaginal discharge looks like uncooked egg whites. I like how no one could see what I could see just then. Vanessa paused after she said (laughs) healthy vaginal discharge looks like, and she was like having a moment where she was envisioning her egg white and yolk. And she was like, right. And I could see her cracking the egg in her head. I was, I'm, by the way, I'm very bad at separating that. I never make mousses because I'm really bad at separating the yolk and the egg white. And I'm like, F it. If I have to separate them, I'm not making them, but Passover is coming up. And if I want to make a dessert, I'm going to have to make it with egg whites. So I may take some pictures of that. Yes. So it looks like clear, uncooked, egg white. It's a little stringy, a little goopy, a little stretchy. It's mostly clear, maybe a little bit white. And we've talked in the past about how it's really normal for people with vaginas before they get their periods to have heavier and lots more vaginal discharge over a sustained period of time, like a few weeks to a couple of months to a few months, something like that. And if you're wearing dark underwear, that discharge at the end of the day can look almost white in the underpants because it just, you know, the liquid, the water is dehydrated out of it by the end of the day. And you may look and think, oh, is this white discharge? Is this a yeast infection, which is the hallmark, this white, but it's white and clumpy. Usually it looks like cottage cheese. It really does. The the yeast infection version. The yeast infection, not the normal vaginal discharge. Not the normal vaginal, but the clumpy, it might have an odor. It might be thicker. It might be like a little bit yellower. So it's charming. It's really, yeast infection discharge is really a charming friend to have. And, you know, on the skin with jock itch or between the toes with athlete's foot, it can look like nothing. It can just be itchy or it can look flaky. The skin can actually look flaky. You do not see that cottage cheesy look when it the infection is superficial on, on the outside it's like of the skin. It can be a little crusty. Yeah. Like on the... Yeah. I would call I, I think it people flaky. Are, I think people are going to, like, if they're not already nauseous, I think yeah. they're going to be nauseous. So let's get to treatment um, because it's important. So sometimes all you need to do to treat is actually air out the area. Yes. And this is really important if you change the environment that can be enough. Sometimes doing some of the dietary interventions, which some people believe and other people don't, changes the acidity in the area enough to then help solve the yeast infection. And I want to talk about airing it out because as someone who was an athlete and who exercises every single day, but had a tendency to not change out of sweaty underwear. Right. Because you didn't know. Because I didn't know. Also, there were years where I wasn't wearing 100% cotton underwear. I was wearing underwear with other ingredients in it. Those are two things. Air it out, change out of sweaty underwear or workout clothes, change out of wet bathing suits. I mean, Vanessa, I got to just say, I I resist doing this on every podcast, but there is a reason we made Oom Shorts. Okay. I never pimp out our products, but yes, there is a reason we made oom shirts. They are functionally antifungal is what I call them. 100%. They literally air you out at the end of a hot, sweaty day. So they are, what I consider it is education in the wild. Even if you don't understand what is happening and that you should get out of your underwear, they are so darn comfortable that you're going to get out of your underwear, put these on, and they are functionally antifungal. They will breeze, breeze, breeze down there. The opposite of oom shorts are two things that teenage girls often wear. One is thongs, Yep. right? So I stopped wearing thongs in order to deal with my yeast infections, which helped a lot. And the other are the little boy shorts slash bike shorts that they wear under skirts. I got to say, I think are bigger offenders because those super tight boy shorts go from the hips to the upper thighs and they're tight. There is, with a thong, depending upon the material it's made from and how skimpy it is, there is probably there air is, down there. there. Is, I mean, there's probably more air down there. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I did, so- but I did have a midwife say, you know, the thong moves back and forth from different parts of your body and you kind of don't want the bacteria that's coming from one part 
So I was going to add that is that thongs, the bigger risk for thongs is bacterial colonization from stool, from poop that, you know, there's a little bit that's on the anus that you don't know about. You don't see it. You think you've wiped well. And if that thong keeps sliding back and forth, you can end up with some of that bacteria from back there coming up towards the front. But let's talk about treatment really quickly, because it's important to realize if airing it out isn't doing the trick, or if someone is really symptomatic and yep. really itchy, the family of drugs that are used to treat fungal infections end with the letters A-Z-O-L-E, azoles. So the most common one- Not is, assholes. <laughs> no, not assholes. Azoles. So fluconazole, clotrimazole. These are over-the-counter drugs that you've read about and seen. You walk around and you see like the athlete's foot, active ingredient, clotrimazole, right? So anything that ends with A-Z-O-L-E is very likely, uh, it's not very likely, it does, it treats a fungus. There are oral versions that are by prescription. There are topical in creams and ointments that are either over-the-counter or by prescription. It takes a while sometimes for these things to work. You know, most, when you take an antibiotic, usually kicks in within 24 hours. For fluconazole, for a yeast infection, it's more like 72 hours. Yeah. Okay. And if you're using topical, for those who are treating jock itch or athlete's foot with a topical, it really doesn't matter. I've always told people this. You can buy the vaginal prep or you can buy the athlete's foot prep. It's all about just branding. It really is a very similar active ingredient but it takes application two or three times a day for four to six weeks for those infections to go away. Even if the itching subsides after a few days, you want to keep up the treatment for so long. Ringworm is another yeast infection and that treatment is four to six weeks. Do you know, I had a friend who's a very into kind of homeopathic treatment and she was advised to apply organic yogurt with like high levels of active bacteria, right? Topically. On, I mean, that's topically. so interesting. I don't think up to date would agree with that, but that is so but isn't interesting. That, isn't that fascinating? Like yeah. she was somewhere where she couldn't access something and she was yeah. advised. And again, I mean, you have to be like able to sit with yogurt on your vulva. Well, for and a this is the problem is compliance. So even right. with the topical ones that you can buy at your local store, the Azol's, you got to put it on for a really long time. And you can do, there are intravaginal insertions as well that you can use, but it takes a while. So there is a treatment. I cannot pronounce it. I'm going to try. Okay. Okay. I Brexifungurp. (laughs) (laughs) I Brexifungurp. I think it's what it is. Who came up with the marketing for that one? The um, commercial name is Brexifem. Oh, okay. It's a one day, one dose oral. And it's, you know, really works very well. I, you know, I caution, it's not like a nuclear bomb against fungal infection. What it really is, is it's sort of like a mini nuclear bomb that just sort of lasts a really, really long time. And you take two tablets, it's prescribed as four tablets. They're 150 milligrams each. And you take two tablets in the morning and two at night, and then you're done. And, you know, there, there are lots of contraindications to this and you got to talk to your doctor about it and see if it's the right thing for you. It's also possible that some people don't have a classic case of candida albicans and they might have a different type of yeast and it's not as sensitive to some of the -the over-the-counter typical treatments. So that's Mm -hmm. an important thing to be thinking about. And recurrence, there are people who get these infections over and over and over again. I think what I read, I'm trying to remember what the numbers are, but I think it's up to 50% of all people over the age of 50 have had at least two yeast infections in their life. That hmm. doesn't sound dramatic, but that, you know, that sort of falls into the Across general the population. Bucket. Right. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. So thinking about that as well, but this is the kind of thing that at the end of the day is, is both really common and can be really irritating. And so for people who are dealing with yeast infections, my strongest advice is be in contact with a healthcare provider and ask questions about how not just to treat the issue, but also to prevent future issues. And if someone hasn't had one before and you're assuming it is, don't just start treating it without speaking to a healthcare provider. I mean, it says that on every box of everything, but it's really important when you have a kid who's dealing with this. That's right. And in the post-COVID world of it all, 
The telehealth options here are incredible. This is a clinical diagnosis. What that means is to make sure you've got a yeast infection, you really don't need to drag into a doctor's office. You really can reach out by phone or by video conference or, you know, there are these wonderful services now for kids who have just launched, whether to college or to work, where they have access to telehealth. This is the perfect example of a five-minute check-in. Here are my symptoms. Here's what I'm worried about. What should I do? What should I take? You know, to me, classic, classic example of where telehealth is wonderful. As ever, Cara, it is a joy to discuss all things that are typically not discussed. This was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) I was dreading this episode a little bit. I don't know why. We've put it off like eight times, listeners. Yes. We really have. You make it fun. Thank you. So do you. You make vaginal itch and yeast fun, (laughs) Vanessa. I'm going to make a t-shirt that says that. Thanks, Cara. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.